As a mother, wife, and divorce attorney for over 15 years, experience has taught me a lot about how to deal with times of uncertainty, transition, and facing opportunities for growth. I'm happy you're joining me for this part of the journey. My guest today is Elise McVeigh. She is the founder of Elise McVeigh's Life Camp, which she started in 2001 to help educate children, young professionals, and adults alike on the important etiquette skills. She's authored many publications, including A Parent's Guide to Etiquette and another book that's gonna be coming up later this year. She's here today to talk with us about the important things we need to teach our children when it comes to etiquette. Welcome, Elise. Thanks, thank you for having me. Yes, I forgot to mention that you actually um, are also a parent. So yes. part, uh, you haven't just written books and taught other people's children, but you've actually raised three boys who are young adults now yes. and here in the Dallas area. Yes, and you know, it's funny, when I started giving speeches, I just was really sort of winging it. and But now I can give a speech and say, and these tips really help. My children are very polite. So that's good that I, I, that I sort of tested it out on them, but it's now all fine. I remember at the time thinking, wow, that's really risky because, you know, if they didn't turn out, uh, but they uh, did, I know. they're awesome. Luckily they turned out, <laughs> exactly. So um, what, what ignited your interest in etiquette? Do you know, I always have, I, when I was writing the book, A Parent's Guide to Manners, I talked about when I was little, my favorite books were Raggedy Ann's Thank You, Please, and I Love You Book of Manners and um, The Polite Elephant by Richard Scarry. So I always have been into manners. I just was born liking manners. I don't know why, but then as an adult, um, when I wanted to be a speaker, I knew it was a topic that I was passionate about. And so it just all sort of spiraled from there. Um, so when people ask you, why do manners matter? What is, what is your answer to that? Gosh, on so many levels. Well, one is, you know, as an adult, good luck getting a date if you don't have good manners. I mean, I'm sure that you have clients as a, as a divorce attorney that, that they'll say, oh, he has bad manners, she has bad manners. It's something that really annoys people. Uh, if, if you're a child, you know, a student, and you don't have good manners, you're not going to get anywhere. So I always say you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you don't have good social skills, you're not going to get into the fraternity sorority that you want. You're not going to get into the school that you want. You're not going to get the job. So it's just something that's, I, I'd say, one of the most important things that you can do. I really think um, what your training does is it gives people a sense of confidence in any social settings. Because one of the right. most embarrassing things can be to show up at an event and not know how you know how to behave, not know which fork to use, or not know you know who should open the door or whatnot. And I think these social mores and etiquette, and etiquette rules really make life easier. Oh, absolutely. From yes, from the dinner table to just having a meeting with someone. So I'll tell young people, don't sit down until you're invited to sit down. And that could include at someone's house. I mean, just even when your children are young, going on a play date, you need to say, you don't walk through their house. You let them guide you where to go. You don't go into their refrigerator, their pantry. You need to follow their rules. Absolutely. Uh, what kind of groups do you work with? So I work with, so uh, Elise McVeigh's Life Camp, I give speeches to a lot of parents 
and to professionals. And then Mrs. McVeigh's Manners is a division um, that's our children's camp. So ages three to 11, we do camps and classes. And until COVID came around, we were expanding into schools. So schools now have these great after-school programs where parents can just leave their child there and they can sign up for something additional. And so we were doing that all throughout North Texas before COVID hit. So hopefully we'll pick it back up, we'll see. Yeah, I was just gonna ask you, do you have plans to get back uh, in? We would love to, <laughs> we, we would love to. I'm not sure if it'll happen in the fall. I, I think that schools will just think, well, let's just see if we can have a normal school day. So I'm hoping by the spring, we pick back up where we were. Uh, what are some of the most important areas that you cover with children when you're teaching etiquette? So when I started this, um, so the children's part in 2003, when I started, it was all about table manners. Then about 10 years ago, I started getting calls that said, my child cannot communicate with adults and children are not acknowledging adults anymore. So let's say that my children know you, they run into you, it, you know, place of worship, Starbucks, wherever, you would hope that they'd say, hi, how are you? Does not necessarily happen. Actually, someone that, that you know too, he was um, sitting outside of a restaurant, uh, I guess on a porch, and my oldest son at the time was, I think in 12th grade, walking out and he said, hi, Mr. Kerrigan, how are you? He introduced his friends, they had small talk, etc." So this gentleman was so nice that he sent my, husband an email saying, you know, Griffin did this, this and this. It was so great. It was so nice. And I thought, well, that's very sweet that he said that. But it sort of made me sad that he felt like he had the need to say something like it was a big deal. But it is sort of a big deal these days. If a child actually acknowledges you, you're like, oh, wow, what a polite kid. But I think 15 years ago, it would have been, well, of course, William is coming up to me. I've known, known him my whole life. I see him every week. But it's so it's just really changed. And, you know, we have a lot of socially awkward people now. And I'm scared that COVID probably made it even worse for for these young people. But we even have adults who are very uneasy communicating with people. They don't have good eye contact. Um, everyone's like this these days because we're all looking at screens and they a lot of people, they just don't know what to say. So I try to teach things like, you know, you can talk about the weather. You can talk about what time of year it is. Look around the room. If you see that they have a big fish on the wall, you know, oh, you go fishing. Well, that's fun. Where did you catch that? And we try to teach children and adults these skills so that they feel comfortable in any situation. And, and when you have the ability to hold a conversation with somebody who isn't your peer, um, what I love is that it really opens up the world. I mean, you get you get to learn, you know, maybe they have stories to tell if they've fought in a war, or maybe, you know, the young person has stories to tell about what's going on in their world. And I think connecting intergenerationally is so important and so healthy. I agree. But and I think a lot of younger people, they will come to my house. How was your day? Fine. How are your parents? Good, thanks. They'll say, yes, ma'am, no, sir, and just very short answers. And I think that they're being, they think they're being polite, but really it needs to be a balanced conversation. If there's someone telling you their World War II story, oh my gosh, that's fascinating. Okay, so wait, explain. Now, how did this happen? Or how did you even get into the service? I mean, there's so many questions that you could ask where it looks like you're listening and you know that you're prompting them and hopefully then they ask you some questions too yeah and i think that's a skill that a lot of people just don't have 
Those have been some of my favorite conversations, the kind of the impromptu conversations that came up because I was curious. <laughs> right. No, that, and that's great. But you obviously know how to ask people good questions. And a lot of people, they just don't. Let me ask you, because you, you were talking about um, Mr. Kerrigan, and I want to ask you about use of last names. Are children still, should they still be calling adults Mr. and Mrs.? Absolutely. And what I've noticed is it's very regional. Even so, so where I live uh, in the Dallas area, everyone says Mr. and Mrs. Doctor. And something I always teach is before you go to someone's house, ask the the kid, you know, that like, oh, okay, is your is your mom a doctor, Mrs. What you know, what do I call him, her? Um, but then let's say I go to Allen or the Lovejoy area, they might be used to saying, you know, Miss Elise instead of Mrs. McVeigh. So I always say, no matter what, you call the adult by their title and their last name. And I had a friend one time who would tell my kids, Oh, call me Miss Tina. And I finally said, tell her you're not allowed to call her Miss <laughs> Tina. You have to call her Mrs. So-and-so. And so I go, okay. But yes, it's just very interesting that different places um, have different rules, but I always say more formal is better. I, I do find sometimes it can be a little awkward to refer to myself, you know, as, um, or my husband is Mr. Hargrave or Mrs. Hargrave, but, but that level of formality, I think can also, it can, can be helpful in relationships. I mean, we know where we stand. We're not peers. We're not friends. Right. Um, but yes. I care about you, and I'm glad you're a child who's in my child's life. And you know, I mean, I think there. I, I see it really as uh, just a way of denoting kind of that affection for for the people in our lives. Is that there's a relationship there? Yes. And and I've had kids try to call me something else, and I'll just say something like, "Oh, hi, I'm Mrs. McVeigh." Just or please call me Mrs. Right. McVeigh. Not not in a mean, snarky, uh, rude way, but I just try to throw that into conversation so I'm clear this is what you need to call me. Exactly, exactly. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one who does that. Um, yes. Let's talk about technology. So in 2001, when you started Life Camps, uh, technology wasn't what it is now. No, I think it, it was, was the not. old AOL dial-up modem. Maybe, yes. maybe there were chat rooms or something. Um, You've certainly seen a lot of changes over the past years. What advice are you giving teens these days in the social media arena? So we talk about that a lot. Something that they don't understand is it's not going to go away. Whatever you post, it's not going away. It's there forever. And I even tell young kids, getting on TikTok and doing a little dance when you're in fifth grade might seem great, but in a few years, it's not going to be okay. And then maybe you're trying to get a job as, as a 16 year old, they're going to look at your social media. I, I try to explain to children that companies now have full-time people or it's the job of the HR department that they look at everyone's social media. Then you can take it to trying to join a sorority, a fraternity, trying to get a job. You Anything that you put out there, even if it's goofy, innocent, it doesn't matter. You don't want it out there. So just be very, very careful. And, you know, there are those apps like Snapchat, and I know there are even more that are more recent where they give you this sense of security. So you think that it, the message goes away after you've sent it. And the truth is, I know this from as being a divorce lawyer, is that it, it doesn't go away, that if somebody has the ability to you know, record it, um, they likely have. And right. So or screenshot it. Really careful. Yes. There's a lot of bad. Um, of course, there are age limits with regard to a lot of social media accounts. What do you what do you advise parents do? Because there's uh, a lot of pressure on parents to you know 
throw their kids into these really powerful social media applications. It's so funny. So, well, I always say you need to, uh, whatever age the app says, that's what you need to follow. Follow those rules, don't lie about your age. But it's funny, different kids from different schools in the area that I work with, some of them, you know, you know the parents are like, what? No, why would you talk to my sixth grade you know, group about social media. They're not on there. And then I might have some fifth graders. Oh yeah, we've been on there forever and not, you know, telling me all sorts of things. So I think it just depends on who the kids hang out with, maybe what school they go to. But I just told my kids, you have to wait, you have to wait. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah, I have no regrets for having delayed. Uh, I learned that with my younger one. With the with the older ones, they had the social media early on. It was all new and happening so fast. And um, I did come to regret that. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's bad news. Uh, when we talk about uh, technology and devices, of course, the phones are everywhere. And I notice it's hard to even go to a restaurant these days and not see people, you know, on their phone constantly. What what yes. advice do you have when it comes to our use of technology? I Hold always, on for a second. Let me check. Yeah. That. Yeah. Well, I always say one day we're going to walk into restaurants. They're going to going to be silent because people are on their phones. You're like, wait, are you texting each other, texting other people? So I always say, if you have to get on your phone for some reason, you need to announce that to the table. Oh, my mom is trying to call me and she said, if I don't answer, I'll be in trouble. Or as an adult, my babysitter might need to get hold of me. So this is why my phone is here. And if you do get a phone call or a text, you know, you phone call, excuse me, it is the babysitter. Hello, one moment, please. And then you get out of range. If I think it's going to be a short conversation, I just sort of turn my body and just have a quick conversation. But under any circumstance, it's just so rude to always look at your phone. And I think that people don't even realize that they're doing it anymore. They're just so used to staring at it, staring at it. But no, put I it think away. You're exactly right. I mean, it is so, you know, it's hard to disconnect. I get it. Um, I, it's a challenge for me too. But in those moments when you've gotten together for dinner with friends or, you know, you're having a meal, sharing a meal with family, to be able to put away the phone and not be, dis it's hard not to be distracted. If it's sitting out, you're going to be distracted. And you're right, right. There are those emergency moments, but those are really rare um, and few and far between. And also, I know, I think it's a generational thing for my kids. They, you know, I'll say, why are you on your phone? You know, we're at dinner. Well, I just was looking up a score or oh, well, you just asked me this. Or my husband's very into wine. He'll look at the rating of the wine and I'll say, okay, people probably think you're on your phone and ignoring me. This is rude. So it's it's tough. It really is. But I say, if you can just put it away, put it away. It's funny because- Don't be tempted. Do you remember back in the days when there were encyclopedias? And oh, so yes. if you had a question, you had to remember that you had a question until <laughs> yes. you could get to a library or if you were lucky enough to have a set at your home, you could get home and look up the question. And now we're so used to getting instant answers. And I do Absolutely. find, I mean, you know, we'll oftentimes be sitting around a table and we'll not know the answer. And there's this impulse to, to look right. it up. But exactly. it's okay to not know the answer. You're right. And you can wait 30 minutes yeah. to find out. That's true. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about safety. I mean, we're talking etiquette, you know, things that are polite or not polite to do. But of course, when you're using technology, there's a safety component to that. It's, and, yes. And what are you telling parents and kids when it comes to messaging? And so usually the kids, it's sort of been beaten in their head a lot that they know that it's bad. But I even had a friend the other day who said, yeah, it was really strange. My mom's friend was asking me advice about whatever it was. And I said, wait, why would she ask you that? 
you know, I don't know. I said, I think it's it's a scam. I think that someone just used her, you know, DM and I said, don't don't talk to this person again. She said, okay, yeah, you're right. So I think it can happen to anyone. And I know when I started getting on Instagram, oh my gosh, the creepy messages that you get. I mean, as a someone my age, I don't want to see that. And so I cannot imagine what a 15, 16 year old young girl sees. You just, yeah, I always tell parents, tell their kids, if something doesn't seem right whatsoever, or if you get some kind of direct message, show it to a parent. Of course, there's a tendency in messaging these days for you know kids to be in these large chat rooms and groups, and um, you know you can maybe because you're you're texting back and forth, it can feel a little intimate, and so maybe you're saying things that you forget that you know everybody else is looking at too. Right, and once again, they can screenshot it. So the best thing that ever happened when everything went on the cloud years and years ago um, with Apple. For some reason, I was getting one of my younger sons uh, all of his text would come through and he didn't have a phone yet but he figured out how to text on his iPad and so I would see what he would say so I would get out of it run into his room you cannot say that why did you just say that you're in a group do you see that you just said something mean about someone and the girl she's on here oh I just don't you just you have to train your children like everything else you have to train them what's appropriate on texting on social media um, email. Most kids don't use email. You have to teach them, okay, you're in high school or junior high. Parents, you know, the, the teachers don't want to hear from the parents. They want to hear from the kids. So I always say, all right, let's sit down, read to me what you're going to say. All right, you have incorrect punctuation. This is a teacher. You need to make sure everything is spelled correctly. It needs to be more formal. You don't use text speak. So it's things that, once again, even young uh, students, you know, older students, they need to be trained on what to say and do. And I think as a parent, it's a, it is a great opportunity. Um, it can be exhausting if you take it to the extreme, but do be checking your kids' messages because yes. one of the most important things we do as parents is to teach and train our children. And so when you are reviewing their messages, you have an opportunity to catch things that, you know, could really come back to hurt them if, if you don't retrain and, and teach, you know, how to, how to communicate in a group. Oh, absolutely. One time I remember my husband grabbed my son's iPad, I mean, he learned like three important things from it. He's like, oh my gosh, he this, this, and that. I'm like, what? What is going on? So you just never know. I mean, I did always tell my children from the beginning that your phones are for my convenience. Yes. Your, your privacy is a privilege, not a right. And so you should not expect privacy. No. If you're expecting privacy and I read your messages, that's, you know, too bad for you. So I agree. You know, and, and listen, I mean, the, the other thing I was told my children is that you should expect that other parents are reading your messages too. Yes. I actually have had parents call me and say, do you know that your son said this and this? I just want you to be aware. No, I did not know about that situation. Thank you so much for alerting me. And I think if other parents do come to you, don't be defensive. Don't say, oh no, not my kid. You need to thank them and be very grateful. I always say I'm a parent who wants to know. So this yes. goes for anybody out there. If you catch my kids doing something, I want to know. I agree. You know, we may have different ways of dealing with it, and um, but you know, information is power, especially when we're dealing with kids. And and you know, I'm eternally grateful to one mom who made that call. It was a hard call for her to make. None of the other moms did, uh, but she was the one who reached out. And fortunately, because she did, we were able to you know avert a, a 
big disaster happening. So yes. I think it's so important. It used to be when we were growing up that, you know, it always felt like it was the parents ganging up against the kids. It's not always that way anymore. No, parents are very defensive. Um, one time my son got in trouble at school and had to go to detention. And I called the teacher, asked her why. I said, well, you know, I'm very sorry. And just no hell of a consequence at home. Silence. I could tell her mouth, like her jaw was to the floor. She's, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, I so appreciate your support. I just thought, oh my gosh, she must get, in, get beaten up every time she has to tell someone. I just wanted to know so I could punish my child. <laughs> and I think that she was thinking, oh, she's going to tell me, not her kid. I'm like, oh, I'm Believe me, I believe you, whatever you say. <laughs> That's exactly right. And it's, you know, I, I think it's overall good for kids. Um, all right, before we wrap up today, I do want to talk a little bit about divorce etiquette because I am a divorce attorney. Yes. So I do have a, a lot of clients who go through divorce. And, you know, it can be awkward um, in the initial stages when you're telling people about the divorce. What advice do you have for people who are beginning the divorce process? It is, it's tough. And I know when I ask someone, or not when I ask someone, if someone ends up telling me that they got divorced, I never say to them, oh yes, I've heard that. Because I think that they just feel, oh great, everyone's talking about it. So I'll say, oh, you are. And I, at this point say, so should I say sorry or congratulations? <laughs> because response. I've done both. And, and you know, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh no, believe me. <laughs> so yeah, so I always just say that. And then I sort of take the conversation from there. And also I think anytime you can use humor, it's always a lot more comfortable because I think it would be very uncomfortable to have to tell people that you're divorced. Well, and you just made a really good point. It's, it's uncomfortable to feel like everybody's talking about you behind your back. Yes. So to really acknowledge the person, even if you have heard the news and it's old news, you don't need to rehash that it's going around town. Right. Like, oh, girl, I heard you cheated on you bad. I'm so sorry. And oh, I saw the girl. He was. Yeah. You don't need to say any of that. Just, oh, I'm very sorry or yeah. congratulations, whichever you prefer. But I would say that. You know, and the other thing is, um, I so I have divorced parents. And one thing I liked about my parents is they never badmouthed the other one. And what you need to remember, I think, as a divorced parent is you don't need to tell how terrible your spouse was. The children figure it out. I know I have friends who have second graders who knew things about parents cheating and doing all sorts of things. So don't ever feel like you need to say anything bad about your ex because the kids will figure it out eventually. Yeah, I th that's a really good point and it's something that we certainly talk with and I, I've learned from the professionals in the area that we work with that, you know, kids need to know that they're loved by both parents. They don't need to yes. know the truth of all the marriage breakdown, right? And so, you know, keeping that um, information close to your chest, I think, is most of the time a good a good thing. Not that you shouldn't, you should definitely have your support system, right? But the yes. support system doesn't need to be all of town. So have a right. friend or two who you can, who you can share those adult feelings with and work out the adult issues. You don't need to do that to your kids and you don't need to broadcast it everywhere. Right. And I think a lot of parents do that to their children. Your child is not your friend. And if they are, you're doing them such a disservice. Well, and the other thing, when you are sharing detailed information, um, you know, children have really good ears and they hear. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so always make sure that, you know, you're, you're sharing the, that information in the context of a confidential, private conversation. Yes. So that the kids aren't overhearing. 
Right. Yes, I absolutely agree. You know, and the other thing is I think a lot of parents just need to learn to be nice to each other. I don't care how terrible he or she was, but they're just just the things that I hear. I just think, OK, if you could have averted that whole drama if you would just say you need them an hour earlier on this day. Not a problem. I can accommodate you. That's just just be nice. That's a little, a little politeness goes Yes, away. just courtesy. I mean, I think in marriages, if people would be more polite to each other, maybe they wouldn't be getting divorced. I don't know. But I just think that the people that you're closest to, you feel like you have free reign to be rude to them. And you don't. I mean, you're not going to have years of friendship with anyone, married or not married, if you can't be polite to people. All right, so the marriage is over. Maybe this is the first time you've been polite to each other. But, but if you're not, it's just, it's going to, I mean, you know, I, I cannot yeah. imagine this stuff go, people go back to court for. I think if they just would have been kind to each other in the first place, it wouldn't have escalated to where it's gotten. Certainly, there are a whole lot of reasons why people go back to court and, you know, a lot of resentment and, and unhealed emotions um, can, can fuel a lot of conflict. Um, and, you know, there are times when we absolutely have to do that. But um, politeness is always important. And, um, you know, I think you're never sorry for when you've been polite. <laughs> right. Uh, but you may be sorry for when you've been rude. So Exactly. Some great advice today. Thank you so much, Elise, oh, for coming thanks. and thanks visiting with me and sharing some important tips for um, helping raise our children to be polite human beings. If you want to learn more about Elise McVeigh and her camps um, and her books and all the materials she has, we've included a link to her website below and we hope you'll follow up. Thank you. Thank you.